back to the Final Corner Podcast, where we have happily survived the heat wave of 2022. Nick and Tom, how are you feeling? Melty. I'm loving life because it's quite cold here now. <laughs> but, but yesterday was a near-death experience. Yes, not not the most pleasant conditions. Um, no. But we've how made it. Oh, fantastic. Uh, it's currently 28 degrees where I'm sitting at the moment. Whew. Sunny Scotland. <laughs> can't, can't be doing this. Can't be doing this. It reminds me of Silverstone last year. It was like 33 Oof. degrees every day, which was horrible. But we've all survived. And we're a week late, but we're going to review the Austrian Grand Prix in advance of Paul Ricard this weekend. And also not kill, but it's two cars back this weekend. So we're going nice. to jump back a week to the Red Bull Ring in Austria, where the Orange Army were out in force. Smoke flares mm. everywhere. Couldn't see a bombing thing. But uh, relatively, it was a quite enjoyable race, I thought. The sprint was a non-event, but the, the race was okay. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was a good event. Yeah, because of the mixed strategies at the front and mm. some actual overtaking, it was yes. enjoyable as a whole for me as well. Yeah, it's always a good track, Austria, because you guarantee that at least some incidents down into like turn four. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. whatever whatever car design you're going to get some incidents down there, and we got that again. It's it's been it's been normal to... Yeah. So no real news going into the weekend. I think the no real thing was the FIA technical checks on all the cars have been delayed again till Spa, I believe. Yeah. Oh dear. So everyone gets another couple of races with their flexi fours and all the all the nonsense that they're doing. I would also say there was a small bit of news on the weekend itself where there were reports of sexual harassment. Mm. And I was glad that the FIA and Formula One uh, denounced what was going on and made a statement, but let's hope that doesn't carry on anywhere ever again. Yeah, completely. Yeah, there was, there was hundreds of reports of people coming out having horrendous experiences. Yeah, that's far worse than the boo gate. So mm. ignore oh, booing someone. Uh, that's also been a big debate. This is far more serious yeah I mean there's new fans coming to F1 but it doesn't need to be new behaviour exactly when you're, when yeah. you're accommodating new fans and that that's not acceptable anywhere at any sport not something you ever hear about really with um, motorsport or Formula 1 which is a shame that it cropped up here but yeah hopefully that was uh, not to be repeated again like we say and then there was onto a, a good race hmm yeah it was interesting, I was watching back the Hamilton and Rosberg fight where they crashed on the last lap. <laughs> and it was interesting watching the replay and seeing how full the grandstands were then compared to now. And it's just night and day. Yeah. The, the tendencies at F1, which is great, but mm. that was that other side that can't happen. Correct, yeah. But I think also as well, one thing is that people just point to the Netflix show. Mm. And I think that's a big factor but I also think it's not the only factor because I think I think I might mention it before but there's what like five or six video games that have officially licensed Formula 1 content now so that's mm-hmm. getting a younger audience uh, there's also the much improved social media and YouTube presence uh, there's also things like Max Verstappen becoming a national icon so yeah. his you know th- that country was obviously clearly very much into the motorsport and then now they had a Formula 1 champion or driver winning races in, in that series as well that, that sort of ignited that nation so 
then that might not that might have happened without Netflix, right? Yeah. I also think esports as well with the whole pandemic where motor racing stopped, a lot of people started watching the esports and then moved back yep. onto the real motorsports. Yeah, that's a good factor as well, and that gets your younger audience in as well on the whole, mm. on average. So there's several different things here. Plus the extended TV coverage. You don't know what TV deals are in each nation, right? Which might help. Yeah, plus the uh, Dutch commentators are mental. That's what I've heard from <laughs> <laughs> Ziggo Spot. Yeah, from we've dipped into the replays and interviews. I've not seen that, but I've seen no. when they do uh, post-race interviews, they seem to ask the most brutal questions, don't they? Yeah. They like, they're like spinning a yarn. Yeah, there's no filters in the Wanna story. Yeah. Whereas Sky's pretty nicey-nicey most of the yeah. time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And controversy on track as well helps. Final point, I guess. You know, title battle last year. Yeah. Gets everybody interested. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, on to qualifying, which is Friday night, and I forgot about it. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Friday night qualifying. That's, That's the best thing about the sprint format for me. I'm sure it was great. I forgot about it. So, I, I seen the result on my phone as I was walking around Tesco, and I was like, oh, no. What's <laughs> happened here? So, Vettel or, being rubbish. Vettel being rubbish. <clears throat> yeah. Stroll being rubbish. Ricardo being rubbish. And uh, Yeah, what's that about? Both Mercedes putting it on the wall. Yeah. That's um, the big thing. Yeah. yeah, well, Lewis, through turn seven and eight, got a big gusty wind, apparently, which sent him into the barrier. And then Russell binned it out of the final corner, which I still have not seen a reason why that happened, or if he just binned it himself or if it was a problem. I think they're just both pushing hard. Yeah. Over the limit. But now they've got something a bit more to fight for. I think maybe they were just trying that a bit, bit too much, and that's fine by me. Yeah. You want to, you want to try to see people pushing to the limit. They, they might be thinking, oh, we've got a chance of at least pipping Perez or something, which would have been amazing. But anyway, it didn't work out. They were definitely in the fight for the top four this weekend oh, yeah. on pace. So that was a that was a big, well, it's a big chain that that didn't happen, but. Max managed to take pole, which was great, and then we had an interesting situation with Sergio Perez, where he didn't. Everyone was getting a lap delete for going a millimeter off track. Hmm. He he goes well off track, gets his lap, gets through to Q three, and then after the session, they they chuck him out. So it's actually to... rubbish, that isn't it? Because you are denying someone else to go into Q three. Yeah, I think it was Gasly. Yeah. And then you never know if they, um, they might not, Gazi might not have finished uh, 10th, he might have finished 8th or 9th. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also, I, yeah, these decisions, I think this happened before uh, last year or the year before, and Kevin Magnussen lost his mind because <laughs> it could have been him going to the next session. Yeah. And it didn't um, work out. The penalty came too late. Similar scenario here. When in between Q1 and Q2, if there is any question of doubt over track limits, I suppose they can't pause the next session because of TV schedules and stuff like this, but uh, no, it has but to be looked at in that immediacy. Everyone yeah. else was losing the laps instantly. Was that at different line. corners, though? It That's was. the thing. It's because that corner was not being monitored. But if it's not being monitored, then... Monitor it? Monitor it? <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, it's a weird one. I believe that there was some kind of uh, complaint from another team is what triggered it. I mean, he's straight over the line there, so if you're... Mm. I don't think it's any in any doubt. 
if the track limits are broken or not there to me. Mm-hmm. And the timing is very frustrat- frustrating. It just took far too long to come to the decision. And if you've already started the next qualifying session, you might as well just let it go. Well, it's uh, not uh, anyway. Yeah, relegated Perez down to 13th after all that. Both Hassies in the top 10, as was both Alpines. Mm. And yeah, it was it was cool to see Max take the pole position. Or, or no, not pole position, fastest lap, I think they call it. So I think they gave him pole to the sprint this year. Uh, no, 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 other way around. Other way around. Oh, God. Right, yeah. you took pole position then. Mm-hmm. <sighs> You're trying to wrap your head around it, but no, it's only been a year. <laughs> well, they did change it this year, so it's, it's yeah. forgiven. Yeah. But it also meant that Hamilton's ninth, so probably should have been higher up uh, because of his incident. Yeah. And the Mercedes team had a busy evening. Yes. Definitely. The, the Russell one, you think, oh, is that going to be hit? Oh, yeah, and it's actually quite significant. And yeah, oh, it affected his whole weekend after that, didn't it? Because they didn't have a spare rear wing of the same spec, so he had to run a higher downforce rear wing than they wanted to. Very good point. I'd forgotten about that. And then uh, the Hamilton one, this is when the whole controversy came up about everybody was booing or cheering or something. Everyone, the crowd was very happy that he'd crashed. Basically, and he was—he said something like, "He shouldn't be doing that because I could be injured." Uh, yeah, it uh, wasn't one of those crashes where everyone's like, "Oh, I hope he's okay." Exactly. It, it didn't look like a massive impact, so I don't really see a problem with it. It's just a pantomime element of sport, really. I think so. Yeah, I know you almost want to see a bit of emotion from the fans, provided it's mm. in the right way. Obviously, yeah. not like the allegations that we already mentioned. And not where it's like yeah. sometimes in football where you can see them swearing and making hand signals behind the player when they're scoring in slow motion on TV. And it's, <laughs> it's before the watershed and stuff. But some emotion's good. And it it was obvious to me that it wasn't um, a big hit. It wasn't Kubica or um, Canada, was yeah. it? No, exactly. Yeah, it'd be a bit different if the guy was getting lifted out of the car and you were cheating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, on his sprint... Which I did remember a bit. <laughs> Alonso didn't make the start at all. Um, Technical issue. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe didn't make it back round to his good spot either in the formation lap, which had but an he... aborted start. Mm-hmm. So two aborted starts, wasn't it? Uh, because it was the first yeah. aborted as well, yeah. I think because well, Alonso, Alonso wasn't he on the grid? He was on the grid move. with tire blankets on, so they couldn't. Yeah, I think they had to wheel him into pits after that. Yeah, I'm not sure if that aborted the first. Either, either way, there was at least one because Joe came to a mm. grinding halt coming out the final corner, didn't he? Mm. Then yeah, it went round again. Did he? Did he start? Where did he start, actually start from then? Pit lane. Um, pit lane. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Because he managed to get it going, but because you've uh, lost your, if you fall to the back of the pack, you have to start from the pit lane. I see. Max managed to keep the lead through turn one. Sainz tried to go around outside of turn three, but ran deep. And that allowed Leclerc down the inside to turn four and take second off of his teammate. Which, again, had an opportunity for signs and he makes a little mistake, which mm. costs him the weekend, really. Ah, he's uh, just running a little deep there, but it's also a really weird line that he's trying. Mm. It's not like the traditional 
go around the out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's trying to do there. He's trying to get an extra amazing run down the next straight, I think. Yeah. But it gets a bit sideways on the exit. And that, that means his teammates all over him like a rash. Yeah, just a clumsy one. There was contact at the start, though, between Hamilton and Gasly, which was nearly identical to the Joe crash from Silverstone. That's Pierre. true, actually. Yeah. Mm. This time it was Pierre edging over on the right-hand side. Hamilton was in the middle. Pierre gets launched in the air and drops to the back, but he's able to keep going. Lucky for all three drivers that were close there that they were able to continue. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much you can do. You can only ask drivers to be stop moving about at the start. Yeah. I mean, none of them can see. They always say they can't see anything at the start in the mirror, so what can you do apart from telling them to hold their line? Yeah, I suppose the only other thing you could have is spotters, but I don't think that really works. No. I think it's just two unfortunate racing incidents. Mm -hmm. Hamilton uh, dropped back at the start but managed to get past Albon at turn 1 which opened up the door for Norris to try and go around outside the turn 3 he gets nudged out wide and instant 5 second penalty for Alex Albon Now when you say nudged did they actually make contact? No No. I couldn't help but think that that was a harsh penalty Yeah, considering what happened at the last race at Silverstone suddenly as soon as I saw that instant, I was like, they're going to give a penalty and it's going to be the complete opposite for what we had last week. Last week, you could run anybody wide at any point. Yeah. Slight exaggeration, but it certainly... Um, oh, what's the corner? That's also in touring cars. That, that Everybody run wide, everybody wide off the circuit there. And I'm wondering, is it because technically his front wing wasn't ahead at that point? But it is at several times through that process, I think. Mm. Norris is on his... Like ah, that to me is not. You can't if you start giving out penalties for that. How I don't understand how people are supposed to defend. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things. I think it's a bit harsh on Norris. It is being sort of pushed out there, but, but not five seconds harsh. No, exactly. Norris yeah. could have backed out if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do anything, maybe sort of like a black and white flag. Let's just say, mind what you're doing. But, I'm fully on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly Norris got past him, I'm sure, like a lap or two later. It wasn't is, yeah. like it was huge yeah. lasting damage either. Well, yeah. that was also quite frustrating, I thought, because there was, uh, it, on the timing screen, you could see the two were swapping positions about three or four times, mm. and none of it was shown at all. They were just showing cars going around the track with no interest happening. Weird one. Yeah. yeah. Trying to... Trying to f- Make everybody forget that they've given a harsh penalty by not showing them on track again. Probably. It's just the inconsistency that drives me up the wall, and it's apparently driving all the drivers up mm-hmm. the wall as well. Yeah. Vettel, I think, stormed out the drivers' meeting on Friday <laughs> night and got himself a fifteen grand fine or something. Oh yeah, but, what was he angry about? Because yes. uh, it was half an hour in the meeting, I think, and the meeting hadn't started because they're all arguing about Stewart still. Yeah. Uh, oh. Alonso as well, I believe, wasn't there an Alonso mm. monologue where he complains about a penalty he got a few races back and he's going to keep complaining about it whenever something else happens. That's oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's still raging about the... Is it, it was a Canada penalty, but he was yeah. weaving because he wanted was clear to get the same penalty last but, week. But he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he, he totally did. Yeah. But he's just here for the wind-up, Fernando, these days. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, well, he knows he's, he can't win a race, so he's a bit bored, I think. 
Yeah, maybe next year. Oh, well, my prediction is still he's going to win one this year. But you know what I mean, though. He's not fighting for the title, so he's like, oh, oh yeah, it's just pushed all everybody's buttons. Yeah. Actually, he did something in this race, but we'll come to it later. <laughs> so, lap seven, Sainz tried to get around outside of Leclerc, turn four, but Leclerc shut the door on him. Now we all know we can't go around the outside of this corner, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, just get that set up now. Good. Yeah. He's a very compliant driver and a lot of luck to make it mm-hmm. happen. Um, <laughs> Magnus and Schumacher are no Citeo, uh, which was Perez to nick up to eight because he's recovering. Vettel then tried to go around outside the Albon at turn five or six, six, seven, six. Ah, it's, six because, it's six because the kink is five. Yes, middle of the track. <laughs> yes. So he tries to go around the outside, turn six, but Albon tags him and sends him flying into the gravel. Oh, uh, yeah, which I, I thought was a racing incident as well. Mm. Yeah, same. It's a hard track to go around the outside on. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. You see Vettel reversing out the gravel. Thought that was yeah, that was clever. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Albon has a, a little wiggle, doesn't he? Which is unfortunate in the middle of the corner. Yeah. But ah, you, you don't have to give everything, every time someone blinks. It doesn't have to be a penalty. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I know that one driver's uh, race is then, oh, sorry, sprint is then effectively ruined. But again, I don't think, I don't, of the two album moves, that one's more deserving of a penalty. But I still thought it was a bit I, harsh. Yeah, I would agree. But I, I just don't think it's a penalty either. Did he get a penalty for it? Yep. Did he? I don't remember him getting one, did he? Oh, man. Well, if he didn't, that's embarrassing. I know he got the one for the, f- the first one. I don't remember. He definitely the got the, the first one, but yeah, I wasn't sure about the second. Uh, in my mind, he did. He did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he got his penalty for this one. That's fine. Uh, Hamlin's trying to cover, but he's stuck behind the Haas cars. Uh, I thought it was quite clever for a little while because. Mick was getting the DRS off the back of mm-hmm. Magnussen, and then they came on the radio and asked Magnussen to give him the DRS. And all of a sudden, Magnussen went half a signal out quicker and it went out of range. Yeah. Which I thought might have been a bit petty if it was deliberate. I think he was doing that anyway. I thought quite often that he was pulling away, and then he was always a little bit closer just coming up to the DRS zones. Mm. Which I thought was quite clever if he was doing it before he was told to. Yeah, but it seems like when he was told to, he wasn't doing the <laughs> yeah. backing off part anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Which eventually allowed uh, Hamilton up to eighth and take the last point. And Just with two laps spare as well, so the whole DRS tactic could have paid off better. I think Mick could have probably held him off with that, mm. maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and Mick was angry as well because he wanted to let past Magnussen and the team wouldn't let him. Yeah. Hmm. But what was strange about the weekend is that it looked like Verstappen had this in the bag and after the sprint I was like, yeah, well we know what the race is going to be. Mm-hmm. But the Ferraris were really confident after the race, after the sprint, which is weird. And everyone was commenting how weird that was, but yeah, as it turns cause... out they must have been looking at the tire deck and went, we've got this. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a sizable gap to Max. Mm-hmm. And, but they also tripped over each other. Yeah. yeah, but it never looked like Leclerc could catch him. But it turns out he probably could have caught him in the sprint. He just didn't want to. So, any more in the sprint? There was one thing I spotted that I thought was quite interesting. Is when Lewis passed Bottas, 
thought is that the first time in years that he's passed Bottas without being ordered by the team? Have <laughs> <laughs> him let through? Probably. Probably since the Williams days for yeah. Bottas. Yeah. But apart from that? On a Sunday then for the race, and it was even at the front at the start, but Russell managed to get alongside Sainz for turn one. Ferrari ran wide and managed to keep the position. Whoa, whoa, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Mm. I mean, run wide, oh yeah, it's an accurate description, but to me, <laughs> Science deliberately uses a, the MotoGP long lap penalty to gain or keep hold of a position. Yeah, And we're talking about track track limits and stuff here, but apparently you can do whatever you want on lap one, which I know Alonso set the precedent in Russia, was it? Last year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Science has clearly taken heed of that. Yeah. It was actually quite annoying, that move, I thought, by Science. I, I was with you on that. I thought, it's fair enough he's gone wide, and it's fair enough he can keep going quickly yeah but you but can't use it to keep a position which is what i know russell was the, past him but he then used the extra speed from running out wide to get past him again that's what it looked like yeah it's the, it's the only reason he kept that position mm-hmm. it, it keeps it pinned straight over the rolex sign and that little extra asphalt for the bikes it's a joke or as alonzo yeah. would say it's a yoke <laughs> karma yeah yeah uh, you've got to keep it pinned though yeah, <laughs> on brand. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did think that was a bit touch and go as well. But uh, then it compromised Russell when it turned three. Yeah, totally. Which allowed Perez to go on the outside on the run down to turn four, and then we got the standard Red Bull Mercedes crash <laughs> turn four. Perez tries to go on the outside of Russell. It's contact with his rear right wheel, and he spins off. Russell gets wing damage. George gets a five-second penalty, which I thought was really harsh because mm-hmm. he was on the inside curb on the way in. It was as far right as he could go. He wasn't drifting right out to the side of the track, and Perez had an extra card wood he could have used. Also, there's no uh, like mid-corner oversteer, like the Albon and Vettel one, which I incorrectly said was a penalty, but wasn't. We'll ignore that. But <laughs> I'd, If you watch that replay... I was I find myself thinking, what else could George Russell do to avoid that impact? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of anything. Well, the president seems to be that corner then. You've got to slam on the brakes and let the guy go around outside of you. Yeah, yeah that's the only thing. The cars behind you slamming into the back of you as well. Mm. Pull over and stop, please, George. Mm. There's nothing, he doesn't, hasn't done anything wrong. He's kept to the right side. He's wobbled slightly over that curb on the inside, but he's only on that curb because there's a Red Bull turning. I think that's crap. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, Perez's full race was affected, wasn't it? Because didn't he pick up four damage from the gravel gravel rush? Yeah. But that sh- <sighs> there's no way that's a penalty. Anyway, as we come to, he recovers well, does Russell. But... Yeah, he has to pack for a new front line as well, which puts him right at the Which back. is already, he's already had a penalty in that case. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way. Yeah. Naturalistically, he's had a penalty. Yeah. I mean, that one, I didn't... There's other there's another incident later in the race where the guy in the deserves a penalty. But this one, I, I thought that was really, really harsh. So we see Mick Schumacher overtaking Lewis Hamilton, which is a bit, a bit an odd sight. And then uh, Hamilton's commenting how quick the Hasses are in the streets. And he's sort of stuck for a while until yeah. he, he starts calling back on them, I think, just due to tyre degradation. But on the streets... No match for the Hasses. It's the setup of the Mercedes, I think, more than anything. Mm. That it's quite 
high downforce or quite draggy. Hmm. Must be the latter. Although no Mercedes car engine car is particularly flying at the minute, is it? No. No. But yeah, I don't think it's a huge difference between the engines, definitely. I think it's some kind of setup issue. Oh yeah, I agree. Lap twelve and we get a move for the lead. Leclerc catches Max snapping down at turn four and managed to squeeze his way up the inside. Which I thought was a really nice opportunistic move. Lovely move. I thought it was one of the best overtake, the overtaking move of the year, because it's DRS assisted, but the actual mm-hmm. overtake is dive bomb on the brakes when Max is yeah. half asleep, and that doesn't happen often. You know, you never rarely catch Max napping when it comes to racecraft. It can be very forceful and mm-hmm. aggressive too much, perhaps in recent years, but he's left the door open, and, and yeah, it's, it's just totally. odd. It's rare to see an outbreaking maneuver in this fashion in Formula One, and I love it. Yeah, mm. I did as well. It's like old school Daniel Ricciardo. Well done, Charles. <laughs> yeah, well done. Max's tyres are knackered, basically. So I think he pits well before anyone else. I think he pits on lap 17, so a couple of laps after he loses the lead. It was the following lap, actually. Yeah, oh, 14, 14, yeah. 14. Mm-hmm. Or 13, end of 13, whatever. <laughs> so his tyres are knackered. And yeah, you see why Ferrari were so confident. Just the Red Bulls just mm. chewing them up. Uh, Lewis then managed to get Schumacher up inside turn seven, which is a nice move. I love an overtaking through that corner. Yeah, you don't see that either. You don't see late dives in Formula One really, like the Shawl move. And uh, when was the last time you see a move on turn seven? Mm. I think that's where the new regulations are helping. Oh, good in, point. Yeah. In a better position to run close through the um, corner before that, mm. and actually get into that position there. I thought it was covered as well because it's a part of the track which negates the Hassi top speed. Like yes. he, he wasn't able to get it done into turn three or four at all, but he managed to keep close and just stick his nose up the inside. And, he must have been yeah. thinking about that all through the sprint. Mm. Yeah, and where else learn, can I get from it. Yeah. yeah. So that, was my, that was my move of the racer. That, that caught me quite surprised. It was good. Uh, fair play. You then get Magnussen pretty easily after that. Got P4 on the road. Uh, we get a nice midfield scrap. Alonso's pressure on Joe, but he gets a crappy exit at the last corner, which gives Magnussen a sniff. Magnussen goes up inside of both of them in turn one. Uh, Alonso gets up inside of Joe, who just parks his car on the outside and waves everyone through. <laughs> gets out as a cup of tea. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. I think we were discussing this before we started recording. I don't know what he's trying to do it down into the first corner there. <laughs> like he's got a good four car lengths, and I don't know if it's to do with the DRS line um, just before the Nicky Lauda curve. But anyway, he's doing something weird. So two cars go down the inside of him, and then, but then on the next straight, he didn't didn't get the DRS. No. So there's mm. four cars around him that, that all do. So yeah, that's that yeah. position over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but him backing off, he's allowed. Uh, I think a Haas and Norris to close up the back of them as well. So there's a five car fight down at turn three. Yeah. yeah. Which is lovely a... to watch. Oh, it was brilliant. It was like go karts. It was great. <laughs> and Norris manages to get around the the three cars. Yeah. So he goes up to eighth and then minds and gets him back down into turn four to take eighth back. But Which was, was a late brilliant. dive as well. I enjoyed that because uh, arguably mm. Norris has got the full car ahead with the DRS, but Magnuson's having none of it. Yeah. And 
I like. I enjoy a, a fight back without, um, you know, just, oh, they've got DRS, fresher tyres, they go past. No, he's he's had a dive again. But mm. I feel I felt sorry for Joe. Maybe that's a bit, it was just a bit too trepidatious, wasn't it? It was just a bit like, oh, no, there's two cars on the inside. We're just going to slow right the way down and then get mugged <laughs> with no DRS. It was, it was unfortunate. Yeah. And you can't blame him, really, after what happened at the last race for him. He That could be on his mind. He doesn't want to get into any real wheel-to-wheel combat. Good point. But also four positions in one in two corners. <laughs> yeah. Three yeah. corners if you count the kink. <laughs> Which we don't. Which we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't. If they ever did the MotoGP, I know they won't, but what difference yeah. that makes to racing having those little... It's like a little Z shape on the street, isn't it? Yeah, have you seen mm. it? No, yeah, because of the yeah. Formula One. Yeah, it's um, well, all my experience from watching the MotoGP race, the, the reason it's there is that that fast kink on a bike is like a corner. If that yeah. makes sense. And there was this awful incident. Was it last mm. season? Oh, it was the bike flying. Yeah, and so because if you if you get a wiggle through there, you have a crash at basically top speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But the chicane's awful. <laughs> yeah, it does look. Good. It's really bad. Uh, so, but I mean, I'd rather that than incident. I'm not sure. I think it might be too narrow for cars. That's my opinion mm. on that. But you're right. I'd love to see an alternative layout. Maybe they should do a touring car race with it or something. Yeah. It's very narrow through it. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. Thing the probably would never do it, but it'd be quite interesting to see. What having on our breaking point here with the Yeah, let's have the sprint on that layout and the main race on the other. <laughs> yeah. I'd prefer that. We could do that yeah, as secure. Next yeah. year, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh we'll clear Pitts from the lead, drops behind Max, but then easily retakes it on lap thirty three. Max has waved him past at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, can I just say it before this point? Somewhere in the pit stop shuffle, Max is behind Lewis, and Lewis is defending, even mm. though he's off strategy. I thought that was quite interesting. That certainly gave yeah. the crowd something to boo about. Because <laughs> uh, there was no advantage f- to Lewis to do that. But it, maybe it's a psychological thing of, you know, just, just yeah. wait until I get a good car. Mm. Or just wait till Paul Ricard if all the speculations to be believed. Right. Oh, I don't buy into that. <laughs> If they're quicker, there'll be two. There'll still be a half a second gap. Well, it's to be something like thirty-six degrees as well this weekend at Paul Ricard, which is going to be crazy. You might get the pavement melting or asphalt, so yeah. as you call it. Yeah, well, no, pavement could be fine as well. Yeah, pavement well, asphalt. Say, you just can't well, use the word tarmac. To, yeah, I was going to say tarmac, but that's why like pavement <laughs> popped in my head. Like, I can't oh. say that. <laughs> it all melts. It'll be like a psychedelic playground, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that'd I be see, weird. I seen over in Paris they've got their big gorilla statues and everything <laughs> up in preparation for it. God. So uh the temperatures went down a bit, so I'm gonna be thirty two on Sunday now. Ah, yeah, on right. the week it was, it was supposed to be about thirty six, thirty seven. That's, that's still warm, but yeah. The thing with the uh, mm. get too excited about the forecast is that it can change within a day, so Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what's happened. So, uh, Schumacher then overtakes Magnussen in the penultimate corner, which I don't know if it was a coordinated one. But Scripted, not, yeah. Well done. Then we get then we get a turn four crash that deserves a penalty, where uh, Vettel tries to go around the outside of Gasly, and yeah, Pierre's not making, well, 
he's running right out to the other side of the corner with a car's there or not. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. car's there. So poor Seb gets wiped out for the second time at the weekend. Well, I think... Uh, does it deserve a penalty? Kaz is on the lock stops, isn't he? And he is running wide. Like with the with the one that was start with Russell, he wasn't running right out to see mm. the track. This one, Gasly was running out to the gravel. Yeah, regardless true. of what was happening. So He's, he seems to be what what the misjudgment here, I think, is weirdly Gasly starts moving in the braking zone a bit weird and turns in a bit early, and then mm. has to self correct the turning, and maybe that causes the understeer. Like his turn is not one yeah. motion; it's like a little wiggle. Um, yeah, I, I would agree that that's more worthy of a an incident than the Russell one. Did he get a penalty for this one? Uh, yes. All right. He did shortly after getting his penalty for track limits as well. Oh, oh we haven't God. mentioned that yet. No, I didn't want to because it was about forty-seven warnings and penalties for track limits this weekend. It was it was crazy. What annoyed See, me was there weren't enough. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, sorry. What? I was say, I'm, I'm actually for the penalties. Same. I, I just think if they can't keep him in the track limits, then tough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you because if you, oh, I'm all for better curbs, grass, and gravel as opposed to this weird fiasco that was going on. But if the rules are there, then you've got to enforce them. It's the fact that mm-hmm. it wasn't quite this strictly enforced elsewhere in the season, maybe. Yeah. And it stuck out like a sore thumb. The other thing, though, is when everybody, apart from Gasly, clearly, I don't know if there was anyone else that got an actual penalty from it, The I mean, yeah, when everybody was. got to the end, all oh, right, certainly in the second half of the race, there was far fewer warnings, though, right? So clearly, something was working in terms of some drivers were able to change their style. Uh, I know Gasly got one, Lando got one, Joe got one. Right. Um, don't know if anyone else did. I don't think Joe did. I think he got one and then took it away again because it was a mistake. Ah, oh, right. There was something about that after the race. Someone got a penalty. I think it was Joe that shouldn't have got a penalty. Not to take it off him. So even the FIA didn't know what was happening. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a mockery of it, isn't it? What frustrated me a bit was there was a lack of replays as to why or how or what corner. Yeah. Now, the only one I can remember was Hamilton getting a warning for the final mm-hmm. corner. And to mm. me, it wasn't four wheels off the track from that angle. No, I didn't think so either. He I paused was, it and was like, it didn't go off. "There's the front right wheel looks like maybe part of it's on the line, but I if it if you wow, I thought it has to be like four wheels over it." Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and from that angle, yeah. from that angle, it did from that replay, and maybe they, I don't know. You never know if they cue the wrong replay or something. True. I wouldn't have given that penalty right because I don't, didn't look like that it was over the line so I actually understood him blowing up on the radio and but fair play he managed to still be quick and adjust his line around that corner to definitely make sure so that's a skill but I know it's very different and it's I'm not comparing this because of Hamilton versus Red Bull but when the Red Bulls went over the pit lane exit at Monaco and didn't get a penalty I thought that was a hard and fast you can't have any part of your car over that line yeah. Whereas apparently you can. But now here, you don't have to have all the car off the track to get... Uh, it's weird. The whole thing's weird. I know it's not fair to compare those two incidents, but yeah, like you were saying earlier, Colin, the inconsistencies are a bit shambolic at the minute. 
it drives me mad and it's just highlighting that you need the same race director every race and you need the mm-hmm. same stewards every race. Mm-hmm. Or at least uh, one steward. That maybe like a head steward who goes to every race. Yeah. I mean, the, the argument people keep make, oh, it's a lot of travel and it's hard to work. Well, make it someone's full-time job. Yeah. If, if your full-time job is to travel Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, 23 weekends a year, that's your full-time job. Pay them well and have the mm. same people doing the same things every week. That's been paid so, well enough that you do it for five years and retire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got two race directors now who rotate, and you've got about a pool of what, like twenty-five, thirty stewards that rotate in and out. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's nonsense. Just get a set group of people and pay them well enough that it can be a full-time job. And they've got all those, uh, all this uh, audience figure money. That's not mm, quite yeah. how it works, but no, because the sport <laughs> is popular, so just, exactly. you'd hope there'd be extra sponsors and stuff. So. It's annoying that in the pinnacle in motorsport, we're constantly talking about stewards and race directors. Yeah, that's a good point. It should be an example for all of the series to lead off. Yeah, and at the moment, it's just a mess. Yeah, I mean, oh. we, we, com- we comment more on stewarding problems at this than we do at the touring cars. Yeah. yeah. And if anything, F1 should be the most professional outfit out there. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, yeah. Oh. I just want to clarify that we sound once again like a Hamilton apologist for picking up that one example. But that was the only replay I saw during the race about track limits. Could be wrong there. That if you guys saw another one. No, I don't remember seeing anything else. So it's like, oh, well, Gazzy's got a penalty. Show me why. Mm. Unless, of course, there's some excitement going on at the same time. They don't. But... <laughs> yeah. Let's not cut to Lance Stroll at Monaco again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just mentioned race directors. Michael Massey's left the FIA and he's went back to Australia. Yes, has he got yes. a job in Australia though? Uh, he was exploring new opportunities, I think, mm. was the, the phrasing. So you might see him pop up at V8 Supercars or whatever else there is over there. That's the only thing I know about over there. So. <laughs> uh, that is the only big one. I mean, there's, yeah. there's and you can't call it V8, Colin. It's just called is Supercars. Not, is it not V8 uh, Supercars? Oh. It's just called yeah. Supercars, which I think is yeah. a huge mistake because it's not good for search engines because no. you're just going to get a picture of supercars okay. and uh, they've still got V8s and it's what people have known it for 20 years or 10-15 years <laughs> before so just call it V8s and be done yeah, with yeah because the game was V8 supercars as well it was yeah yeah I don't know if I ever played that but that's what, that's how I remember the series is seeing that game at. yeah everyone it changed a few years ago because I think oh god I think there was two reasons they wanted to sort of Oh, it's embarrassing, and that we're still using V8s. And then also, uh, Virgin Atlantic, I think, paid for like the naming rights. So it was Virgin Supercars for a time, and now it's the Repco Supercars, I think. But either way, stick a V8 at the front of the name. Yeah. Everyone who knows it. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, so I think uh, he used to work there, didn't he? But I don't yeah. know if there's a role there at the minute. Um, we'll see. I will, I'll tell you what, I'll update you, because I follow that series. <laughs> we can follow Michael Massey on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Massey Watch. Yeah. Hey. Massey Watch. We should start selling sponsorship for our watches. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to the race. And Leclerc pits again, but gets past Max easily. Sainz is about to overtake Max to take second, and then his engine explodes. Literally explodes. 
Yes. Plan E for explosion. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he pulls up the escape road, which unfortunately is on a hill. So mm. he's trying to climb out of a car that's burst into flames by one of the things rolling back down the hill. Which, it was a mess. And then the, the FIA ended up cutting the feed away from it because it was, it was yeah. just messy. I don't think he knew his car was on fire till he'd stopped because if he did know that, you think he should have probably chucked it into the gravel to keep it still. Mm. Oh, yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. He's parked uh, up near the fire marshal, hasn't he? Which is maybe as well. Yeah. That's another factor, isn't it? I don't know. It does make you wonder, though, why the F1 cars not necessarily have a handbrake but don't have a system that locks the wheels. A line lock. Yeah. Like a... A Ford Mustang has, if you want. Yeah. We'll drive. Or you something just to put it in. I was gonna say put it in gear, but you don't know how much no, the gearbox it, went out the back of the car when it blew up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think a line lock somehow applies the brakes to the front at the front. Mm. For, um, Ford. All I know is a Ford Mustang is a real drive sports car for the road. You can put line lock on, then you mash the throttle and it just spins up the rear tires and does a burnout while stationary. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the front wheels are locked up. A real, a real um, twenty twenty two feature that very on trend. Mm. Not, <laughs> yeah. F one cars do use the front brakes predominantly as well, so mm. that would make sense because yeah. the rear brakes are to do with the uh, harvesting, aren't they? Now the only thing, the only reason that something that that would come into play is if it's a regulation to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of the complexity and weight, blah blah blah. blah. And this is a strange example, but it, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean it. It's one of those things. It's probably not going to happen again. But you sh- you can't be in a situation where a driver can't get out of his burning car because then the car is going to roll backwards into mm. other cars. And there are other circuits with elevation. Mm. Imagine if it happened at the f- up to the first quarter. quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt sorry not for coming him down when he was trying to actually. You could see him letting the brake off and thinking, uh, "I can't get out. I can. I need to." <laughs> yeah. It was weird. And it sort of it ended up rolling back anyway, didn't it? Even with the chocks under the front wheel, just didn't the master wasn't quite there. Not blaming them; they were running from wherever they oh, were, yeah. with, and they had that with them. So the foresight mm-hmm. was there, but it still ended yeah. up in the barrier, didn't it? I think. I think science said that he'd already made the decision at that point. I'm getting out of this car now. I have to. And if he'd have waited just a tiny bit longer, they would have got the chock under the wheel. But he just jumped out as yeah. they were trying to put but it under. The, in the slow-mo shot, he's almost engulfed in flames at that point. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he should have waited. Same. <laughs> he waited longer than he probably should have to get out. Yeah, I'm not blaming him for running yeah. out of that. I would. It was a spectacular so that... explosion, though, wasn't it? Seeing all the bits mm. flying out the side of the car. Yeah, that pretty much screws any hope of having the title challenge because it's going to end up with all the penalties now. Yeah. At some point in the season. So that brought the safety via C, which then Max and Leclerc both pitied under. Mm-hmm. Russell then, on restart, manages to get Ocon for fourth, but Charles Leclerc then starts having throttle problems, which must be worrying when your teammate's car is just burnt to a crisp at the side of the road. Yeah. Well, just throttle problems in general. It's got to be scary, but I think they said it was 30% throttle it was locked at. Hmm. Um, yeah. Or thirty percent when he takes his foot off the throttle, it was only going back to thirty percent off, and that's got to be scary, isn't it? Yeah, he said he was struggling most at turn three, mm. but Martin Bundle made a good, decent point. It's like you shouldn't be talking about that on radio because the FIA might just pull you in mm-hmm. for safety reasons. But um, 
he managed to nurse it home. Max wasn't catching him for ages, and then they cleared the traffic, and all of a sudden, as he was crossing the line, I think it was down to about 1.3, 1.4. So another lap, and Max would have won that race. Well, maybe. You don't know how much Charles is extra, extra backing off. Hmm. Yeah. But you're right. Worrying times. Another reliability issue for a Ferrari there. Yeah. When it was supposed to be 37 this weekend, and Paul Ricard, there was no way their cars were surviving that. (laughs) 32, maybe. But the Ferrari think they've found some upgrades as well on their engine, which will put it on performance par with Red Bull, but the mm. performance isn't the issue here. It's They keep blowing up. They're going to have no chance the second half of the season if they don't get on top of that somehow over the summer break. Yeah. Did you see the Alonso thing as well? Where he was uh, in the investigation? This is what I was going to mention. Yeah. Crafty. Crafty, yes. that is. What did he do? So Alonso pits. New uh-huh. tyres go on. He comes out. The front left wheel's loose. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it loose or is it? Uh, anyway, I'll come to that. So he doesn't say on the radio, oh, front left wheel's falling off. He just goes, box again or pit again. And they're like, yeah? Why? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, pit again. And they're like, uh, sure. <laughs> and then he comes in, puts on the new tyres and goes out again so the theory being that if he actually said oh the front left wheel's loose that's a penalty uh, potentially an unsafe release as well yeah. so it's all very, very clever for the foresight but very crafty at the same time anyway he escaped the penalty uh, because of t- well it's not really clear why have you well, seen why sort of they have said that the wheel was attached properly when he left the pits Correct. Um, and that it broke on pit exit. And mm. they, they seem to be implying that there was either a problem with the tyre or the wheel itself, not yeah. the fitting of it. Correct. But um, I can't help but yeah. think that the radio message has saved his bacon there. Yeah. And if that's true, then bravo, it's Alonso, isn't it? Yeah. Like we're saying, but I don't know. Because the, the, the statement from... The stewards talks about on the video. There's nothing to indicate that the pit stop went wrong. Um, nothing appears to be wrong before turn three, which is just out of the pit lane. It's the first. It's the first corner he'll come to after the pit lane because turn yeah. two is that kink. Shortly after turn three, the driver on the radio state, uh, states that they will need to box again. When asked by the crew, the driver simply reported that they needed to box again. So that's part of the stewards' yeah. statement as to why it's not a penalty. Therefore, in my opinion, it's a factor. <laughs> So I'm wondering if there's a rule in there on the in the or the wording of the rules which meant they couldn't really, even though it's I, weird. I don't know. I just thought it was brilliant, especially the the fact that they specifically asked him, "Is there a problem?" And he's just like, "Well, yeah, but I'm not going to tell you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> box again. I mean, I mean, clearly it's a grey area in the rules, and he's deliberately mm. exploiting that. Therefore, it's clever. Yeah, yeah. But maybe well to the team just for actually listening just, to him and. Going along with it instead of just saying, "Well, no, <laughs> what's the problem?" <laughs> yeah, because he could have just come in and they wouldn't have had; they might not have had new tires. Yeah, that's the weird part about it. But they yeah, got me that one. Slapped on a new set, didn't they? So, well, it might yeah, be a new set. One. Andy was coaching uh, Yuki Tsunoda during the race as well. Oh yes, he was, was what? Brilliant. Sorry, <laughs> he, he tries. He tries to get around the uh, right hand side between turn three and four on the straight, and Tsunoda. Squeezes them onto the grass. 
and oh, as they're yeah. going into breaking zone as <laughs> a breaking <laughs> he's alongside and he's giving him a finger wag as they're under breaking yeah to tell him, no you shouldn't be doing that so uh all the time yeah. you leave the space yeah <laughs> exactly so uh yeah Egg Master Coach UK and UK, so I think, posted afterwards on Instagram a thumbs up saying he's going to learn. But it wouldn't be like Fernando to put someone else in the grass, so. Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't do that. No. So Wasn't it Fernando who put Vettel on the grass or on the outside of Monza? Or was it the other way around? I think they did it to each other. Yeah. Remember correctly, two years in a row. Mm. So I think they both had a go. Yeah, he's lost none of his... Um... Guile. Entertainment factor. <laughs> no. No. But yeah, Guile was a better word. <laughs> so, Ferrari, Leclerc won the race. Verstappen was second, the fastest lap. Hamilton third, pick up, I think, his fourth podium in the season. Mm. And Russell managed to fight back to fourth. Brilliant drive from Russell there with the penalty and the front nose cone change. Yeah. Mm. Very good. And double points for Haas and McLaren as well. Can I just ask um, about Haas? Hmm. Is this a resurgence or is it two tracks in a row that suit them? I think it's tracks. I think they've said they'll bring one more update to Hungary and then that's yeah. it for the Wow, year. who? Why? <laughs> to get ready for next year. Yeah. Oh, they've written off the year already then, basically. I think everyone is. McLaren, I think, have turned to next year. Well, yeah. that makes sense for them. but Alpine as well. Yeah, Alonso was saying, I think at the weekend, Alpine should do the same. And I think they are. Although it's interesting, Altmar keeps talking like he's not a big fan of Alonso. So it'd be cool to see if Piastri gets that seat next year or if Fernando's got enough sway so he keeps his seat. Oh, Fernando's staying there. Come on. I don't think Altmar's a fan of him, by the way he speaks. Yeah, because Fernando basically runs the team. Yeah, and it undermines Otmar. I mean, that's what happens with Fernando in the team. It's just how he operates. Mm. Yeah, but it was double points as well for Alpine. Yeah, the FIA is introducing slightly new rules for next year, isn't it? And to do with the aerodynamics to try and stop the porpoising, which I think mm-hmm. is also affecting the teams moving over to next year. So oh, I see. Make changes to the diffuser, and until they know exactly what those changes are. They can't really work on the designs because it will affect everything. Fair enough. So, Sonic Paul Ricard this weekend and also not kill. So, one series goes into summer break and the BTCC is back. Mm. Happy days. Not kill? But- Yay, Paul Ricard. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm intrigued with Paul Ricard because all the talk is that series are going to be strong and Nick DeVries is subbing in for Lewis Hamilton on Friday. Yeah. Oh, um, that's so, cool. So it'll be a nice little twist to see how he does. Mm-hmm. Does. Um, and if Mercedes are as strong as they should be, or supposed to be, then this will be a really fun race. We might have six cars battling. I'm not believing the hype. No. <laughs> you I never. Hope so, you, but... you never do, do you? Nope. <laughs> but yeah, not kill. Cool. I'm really excited for that. Mm. Will the I option to return? Well, yeah. On you go, Tom. <laughs> No, I, I, Touring Car Times had the uh, this article about Ash Sutton because the, recently there was a two-day annual Goodyear tyre test at Snetterton. <laughs> and Ash Sutton was like, oh, pretty much our whole day was based around t- testing out the option tyre, which is the softer tyre, which, remember, um, 
think last year, but not the COVID year, and then the year before that, we had at least mm-hmm. some rounds where within that three race weekend, you had to use a soft tire at least once. Yeah, yeah. Is that it? And uh, we all decried that and weren't a fan because it was too fake. Now, mm. interestingly, we've got this season where it's like the purists form of BTCC where the person on pole wins. Uh, if you win race one, you've got a good chance of winning race two because it, the hybrid doesn't have a good effect or a significant effect as the balance did. And so are they considering bringing back this whole tyre compound nonsense? That's my concern. I hope not. But why would they test yeah. it otherwise? Yeah, I'm a bit more open to it seeing the racing this year than I was in previous years, but still, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not I'm still not convinced it needs it yet. I, I don't want it. No. No thanks. I think they can make tweaks to the hybrid system to help Exactly. More than bringing back the uh, the tires. But I think we discussed it before. I think that's the logical thing from the outside, but it might be that what they deploy now in the hybrid system is the maximum it can deliver. And therefore they can't really do anything with it, if that makes sense. Yes, but it, it is something that could be developed, is what I mean. Um, oh, yeah. Necessarily for this season, or even maybe next season, but the season after that. Yeah, I agree. Because it is a new technology, at least in the, the terms of the touring cars. Yeah. Could could you artificially increase the hybrid effectiveness by just throttling back the natural power of the cars? So maybe oh, the right. Not so a bit slower, yeah, but they, so the hybrid then gives you a bit more of a boost. I don't know how you do that. I'm not that kind of I'm engineer. Not sure. but... but speaking of that, one thing we need to listen out for and not read, unfortunately, is uh, if there's going to be a boost change for the M Spot engines again going into this weekend. Uh, yes. Because uh, certainly BTC were struggling at Croft. Mm-hmm. But it's always hard to know if it's a car thing or them, but. I don't think any of the yes. Tokyo engines were up there. I think Rory Butcher was the best, wasn't he? And he was sort of up in the top 10, but nothing spectacular. So I suspect that's been going on, and maybe that Snetterton test was used to look at the data. I don't know. Mm. We should say that the technical director, Peter Riches, is it? He's stepping down. How oh, is he? And his son, uh forgotten his name, Sam Riches, is taking over at the end of this season. So these sort of big decisions are up to him, I assume. Yeah. Obviously, Mr. Gow as well, but he has to balance all the complaints and decide what's best, so not not an easy job. Oh, and the one final thing I was going to mention about BTCC, unrelated, but did you see Rich Energy was up to its games again? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. It's ended its sponsorship with some motorbike teams. So the championship-leading British Superbike team has just <laughs> lost its title sponsor, Rich Energy, midway through the season. Ah, oh, that company, yeah. man. So I'm assuming that BCC Racing's getting a little bit nervous. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they turn up with this weekend. Uh, pure speculation there, but that's not ideal, is it? And then uh, the other thing was Rocket, or Rocket, I don't even know how you sponsor, uh, pronounce that sponsor, <clears throat> or what they really do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, 3D um, mobile phones and electric motorcycles. Mm, all right, sure. I don't think that gives you enough money to sponsor all these race teams. Anyway, they sponsored Tatiana Colderan in IndyCar, except mm. they stopped her mid-season as well. Ah. So we're going to have to keep our eyes out for BTC Racing and uh, Jay Kill's car at the weekend, see if those deals are still honoured. Well, yeah, and Rocket is pretty much his main sponsor, isn't it? That's pretty much all you see on the car. Yes. Yeah. 
So, yeah. But I mean, with both, there could be additional context we're not aware of yet behind the scenes. Yeah. They might not um, have got on with William's story. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> that I have never seen a can of it, energy in person in my life. No. You could. Uh, only three people have. <laughs> I think you can only buy it direct off their website. Matt Neal had one once, didn't he, on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> no, so it doesn't really count, though, does it? Seen in the way of... No, not really. I think you could uh, buy it from do... Amazon at one point. If I do go to Notkill this weekend, I'll be looking out for Rich Energy. Yeah. See if there's anyone's, anyone's selling any cans. There is a, a book coming out about um, their shenanigans in motorsport, actually. Uh, next month. It's called Racing with Rich Energy, colon. How a Rogue Sponsor Took Formula One for a Ride. Ugh. It's by Elizabeth Blackstock mm. and Alanis King. I've got it pre-ordered. Nice. Although it's £30 at the minute, so it better be massive and full of pictures. Yeah. Ouch. But I think it must be private or published then. Uh, well, I actually think it is published, but maybe only in America, and this might be an import or something weird. Yeah. Uh, but it is due for the 23rd of August, and I, I listened to a podcast with uh, one of the authors, and I thought it was quite interesting how they've got quotes from people and stuff like this. It's mainly about the Haas deal that fell through. Yeah. They can't even make their own juice properly. Yeah. They're going to sponsor a team. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't take Red Charity's money, I think. Might be the moral. But mm. we're not lawyers, so also yeah. we don't have a race team that has no sponsor and they come along. So No, but yeah. if Red Charity do wish to sponsor this podcast, then feel <laughs> free to let us know. Yeah. We do have many segments available for sponsorship. Or oh, poor energy, even. You know. We're not, hey. we're not gonna quibble. No, no. No. So Paul Ricard this weekend, we'll be back next week with that. And of course, not kill. Yeah. So, any, any more for you guys? Oh, yeah. Can I ramble for two minutes? Please. <laughs> uh, Nick Tandy tested the Napa Racing Ford during the tyre test at the BTCC car. It was a third Napa branded car, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And he is the 2015 24 hour of Le Mans race winner for Porsche overall. Now then, one of his teammates was Earl Bamber. Could either of you name his other? <laughs> no. Nick Highfield. Oh, you're close. You're so close. <laughs> was it Nico? Yes, Nico Hulkenberg. How uh, was it? So he, Super sub himself. Yeah, so he, yeah, weird how he's won Le Mans before finishing Formula 1 career. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so Nick Tandy won Le Mans with him and he was testing... The uh, Napa car. He previously tested a motor-based Ford a few years ago, I think. So yeah. I don't know what the story was there. I haven't seen any quotes afterwards. He's still currently a paid Corvette driver mm. in WC. But the weird thing there is that category of car is defunct after this season. So maybe he's looking at other options. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it was mostly interesting that there was just a third Napa Ford. Exactly. Not that he was in one of the other cars. No, it didn't have to be branded, right? Yeah. It's a test. There's no footage. Mm. But there it was, full liveried up. Who yeah, knows? I don't think he'll be coming to the, the championship personally, but it looks like they're trying to get a third, maybe for next season, a third car in that team. I think it could be that. What I would love to see, which I'm not sure about, is in supercars, not V8, Colin, <laughs> they have this thing called the wildcard system where um, yeah. single car entries can be 
participants for like a certain number of rounds in the year. So like mm. if there's an up and coming driver who finds extra sponsorship budget in, and he's racing in like Super 2, one of the support categories, he can do like one or two races in the main game. Uh, or if there's like a driver and they're doing like the Bathurst endurance race and they want to get some extra mileage or something, they can enter. And what I'd love to see is like towards the end of the season, if they're in championship contention, they enter like a third car for like the final two rounds to help out the rivals a bit. Mm. I, I know it's a bit skullduggery, but I really like it when teams do that for some reason. I don't know why. Because I think, was it uh, 2007 in the Vauxhall team, they brought Alan Menu back for a round and Seat had mm. Tom Coronel. Mm. And then, um, oh, it might have been 2009 in Collins' year when he was in the RSC car. They brought Anthony Reed back in the BMW for a few rounds as well. <laughs> it didn't really do much, but just to see an extra car on the grid that's sort of a bit rogue is quite fascinating. Yeah, well, they, they kind of did that, was it? Not last year, the year before, when um, Powermax were not really on the grid, but they had their car out for a different driver. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, just something like that would be quite interesting, because that's how yeah. we got to see it, uh, Jade Edwards first and Jess Hawkins, Jack yep. Constable. I can't remember the other ones now, but there was... Bushell was in there, was he? Yes, I've got a funny feeling that he broke down. And didn't actually take part in the race, or was that? No, that was Jack Constable, I think. Actually. Didn't Bushel get injured and not killed? Mm. Oh, we should probably wrap this podcast up before we. Uh, yeah. Get that we ramble more, but yeah. No, I you're right. Like the idea, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, sorry. Let's go. <laughs> right, we'll see you in five this weekend, and then uh, we're back next week. So goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.